Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. I'm Katie Keller, Editorial Communications Manager at ClearanceJobs.com, and today our guest is Lonnie, the founder of Cruise Corner. I'm really excited to be able to tell the story of Cruise Corner and talk about some issues that some of our brothers and sisters coming out of the military experience as they go through the transition. So Cruise Corner, uh, it also has a podcast. It started as a blog, but it talks about PTSD awareness, the military transition. So we're going to talk about uh, the launch of the blog that you wrote, moving to a podcast, and how you anonymously were writing from your journals from deployments, which I just find so cool, and how you became more open about telling your story and highlighting the stories of others. So Lonnie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So I thought if we could start a little bit about you, your service, why you enlisted, and just a little bit about your background. So I enlisted a little bit older than usually the average person does. I was 22. So I'd already done a little bit of college and then was like, I don't really know what to do when I like graduate. So I was like, uh, I don't know. And then my dad had been uh, he was drafted during Vietnam. And so I thought like, oh, I'll give the military a shot and just kind of like buy myself time to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up and went in, ended up being with first squadron, fourth cavalry regiment out of first ID in Fort Riley, Kansas. And within about nine months of getting there, deployed to Afghanistan for operation during freedom. I was placed on my brigade's FET team, so I was part of the female engagement team for the culture building and connections, and uh, did four years active, then jumped over to the reserve for a couple of years and got out when I had my daughter. And when I was in the reserves, I started going to school and I started working on my master's pro- or a master's program for business and communication. And it was doing the, uh, oh, what's it called? The, like the final project for that, uh, the capstone. Sure. Uh, I had to write about an organization and I chose the Department of Veteran Affairs. And when I started talking about that, that's where people were like, whoa, I didn't know veterans have issues. <laughs> so it was like, well, yeah, <laughs> like there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot. And so I started kind of writing because my teachers were really like, you're a good writer, you need to keep doing it. And you should talk more about the veteran and the military experience to your classmates and kind of bring that so people can get that perspective. And so that's really what uh, pushed me to start writing as much as I did to where I needed a blog to kind of have a place to share it. So uh, for the capstone, you had to post it on the internet so your classmates and teachers could read it. And I didn't know where to publish it. So I was like, I'll just build a website and have a blog and I'll put it there. And while they're there, I'll make sure to have some stuff about veteran issues and stuff like that. So while they're there, maybe they'll read some other stuff. And so that's really how that started. Well, and I'm not sure that you imagined that it would manifest into something bigger that you would continue, right? No, I kind of thought like, oh, it'll last maybe a couple months. 
months or I'll run out of things to write. Like I'll get to like at a point where it'll be like, there won't be anything else to say. And then I had people go, well, why don't you come on my podcast and talk about your blog? And then when I got done with one podcast interview, they're like, you should try to do a podcast. And then you can just kind of read your blog because not a lot of people wanted to read the stuff that was on it, but they wanted to know about it. So I was like, okay, like I'll find another avenue for sharing this stuff. And so I tried out podcasting. and was like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. It's easier to tell the story because blogging, you have to cut it down so short and leave a lot out. And then in the same amount of time I can do a episode, I can say a lot more about what's going on and kind of fill in the blanks a little bit more. So I started doing the podcasting and then bringing other veterans on. And that connection was like, okay, if I have other people with me, the story goes further because eventually I won't have anything to say about me, but if I'm bringing other veterans on and just having a conversation, it's going to go much further than if I had to try to figure out what to write all the time. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about maybe some misconceptions that you found, whether that is from folks reading your blog who aren't within this military community in some capacity, uh, misconceptions on military trauma or PTSD. So the biggest misconception I found was if you, especially as a female veteran, if you mention PTSD, it immediately goes to what did you do in war? What would you actually have done in combat? Because I served before those combat MOSs were open to women. So it immediately went to what's your combat background if you have PTSD. And so I realized, wow, people don't understand trauma comes from so much else. And it's not like we're uh, shielded from what happens outside the military. Like we still deal with stuff like domestic violence and accidents and other things that civilians deal with. So sometimes it's not related directly to the military experience or definitely not to our deployment or combat experience. Mine certainly came from dealing with stuff like military sexual trauma that a lot of people either ignore or have no idea that that's even a thing. They have no idea what the acronym is. <laughs> and, and that goes for military people too. Cause when I started talking about that, I always said MST and I had guys I served with that are like, what are you talking about? What is that? Like, I don't remember seeing that acronym in our classes or anything like that. And then domestic violence. And that's very common still in the military, just like it is in the civilian world. So I think this idea that trauma when it's related to military or to the veteran is that too many people think it's coming from one source when it can come from so many other different places. And so I feel like it kind of impedes people from being able to reach out and talk about it because they feel like, oh, I don't have the right story for people. Well, and that brings up, it brings up the point that folks, even in the military, if they, whatever traditional trauma you want to, you want to say is, but I mean, people ex experience trauma from operating drones. That's that satellite trauma is experienced. It's a different experience, uh, but you're exactly right. It doesn't necessarily mean that it stemmed from something within combat. Uh, your life isn't closed off though you're in the military from other things that are happening within the world. So you mentioned MST and how even military members that you were serving with didn't know what that acronym was, which begs the question, is the training 
for all of military members regarding that up to, you know, up to par. And so how do you think military leaders could help soldiers to better cope with traumatic events specific to that maybe, but also in general? I think the big issue with the leadership right now in the military is either they're not listening. It's more of pushing like the annual training, like we'll do like checks and boxes and stuff like that. Make sure we get everybody the watch the presentation and get everybody through the classes, but I don't feel like it's being implemented really. It's just kind of like, see, we did it. We told them about it, but a lot of people sleep through those presentations. They're having conversations with people around them. They're on their phone. Nobody's really paying attention to the PowerPoints that they're just kind of shoving down your throat all the time because it's the same ones. And I feel like a lot of leaders, they, they talk about the stuff, for the annual training and whatever, like the monthly training, because they're supposed to. But when it comes to people actually reaching out to them, they're pretty closed off. Like they won't listen. They don't take it seriously. Things like MST are really hard to reach out about because, uh, again, as a female soldier, it was like, I can't say anything because they're going to think I'm lying. They're going to think I'm trying to get the guys in trouble. They're going to create something that is not what I'm going for. And it's not going to be about the assaults or the harassment that's taking place. It's going to be about, hey, you're giving us a bad image by bringing this up. So I feel like where leadership could change is being able to somehow create this environment where you can actually reach out about it, actually talk about it, actually use the resources that they plug in all those presentations because you can put all the resources out there you want, but if they're not obtainable, they're not going to do anything. Do you think that there's a shift happening in folks feeling comfortable in coming forward, or do you think that we're just not there yet? From what I, I've been out for a while, but from what I hear from like my friends that are still in, it's not changing really on the military side. They still don't feel like they can say anything. I think on the veteran side, it's starting to gain some momentum with people feeling like they can open up on their, with their stories. I feel like the Vanessa Guillen incident in trial, I feel like that really put the light on it where people were like, you know, no more. And so people are starting to get it on that end. But I feel like civilians are maybe becoming more like acceptable or accepting of hearing those stories. And they're actually like mm -hmm. paying attention a bit more. But I don't feel like the military is there yet. And I don't think it's going to be there for a while, unfortunately. In your experience, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing, obviously, but in experiencing trauma, what are some helpful tips or strategies that you either employed or that you've heard worked well for folks that are coming, moving from the military to the civilian world going through that transition? For myself, I was one of those people that after I experienced military sexual trauma and harassment, I bottled it up. I didn't want to talk about it. And I thought if I buried it deep enough, it was not going to be a problem. And then I kind of ignored it for the rest of my military career because it happened really early on. And so then when I got out and I was alone and I didn't really have distractions, it came back and really took a toll on me. And then that's when I started kind of processing the emotions because I didn't feel like I could do that in the military because you have to put on the strong face and push forward and mission first and all that. And so the mistake I made was isolating myself I didn't take advantage of veteran programs. I was really skeptical of places like the VA 
and I didn't know about vet centers. I didn't know there was anything outside of the VA. So I thought, you know, I'm hearing all these horror stories of things that happened on their end. So it's like, okay, I don't want to talk to them. And I did try them out and it, it was another horror story. So it was like, okay, no. Uh, but I didn't really do research and there's a lot out there. And one of the issues when you're transitioning out is you get a lot of resources thrown at you and it's overwhelming. So you kind of don't use any of them because it's just like, okay. But if you take like, have that plan of what you want to do so you can focus on what needs to get done. And then you can narrow it down to what resources you need. And so for me, I knew when I was getting out, I wanted to go to school. And so I wish that when I had gone to school that I had utilized those student programs and those VA kind of run stuff that are on the campuses. But I still wanted to kind of stay away from the military because I was kind of bitter with it. And so I didn't really want to engage with that. But what happened was I put myself in a situation where I had to deal with everything completely by myself. And when you're alone, then you kind of start getting in your head. You start doing the what if game and that's a dangerous game. And so I feel like the best thing people can do is not try to go it alone when you're transitioning. There's a lot of people that have done it. There's a lot of people doing it while you're doing it. So there's a lot of support out there and you don't need to get it in your head like, okay, I have to do this by myself. I have to keep pushing forward like the military tells me to do. I have to keep hiding things like the military. Like once you're out, like that doesn't really apply anymore. And that's a hard mentality to kind of get over, especially if you've been in a long time. But really it's knowing that there are other veterans out there. There's more than the VA out there. You just have to be willing to kind of do that research to narrow it down to what you need. Because there is a lot of noise to sift through, especially nowadays. Yeah. But relying on, you know, those fellow veterans, I, either those that I think, you know, finding a mentor, someone who's experienced it already, but even the pair mentoring, someone who's yeah. going through it, like you said, at the same time. I think that just gives you another perspective. It's somebody who's dealing with some of the same issues, potentially some of the same issues that you can bounce ideas off of. And again, just not get into your head with that, with that what if game. Thinking about, you know, Clarence Jobs works with a lot of organizations that are trying to reach a lot of the times uh, either currently transitioning out of the military or veteran talent. So what do you think that businesses can do to be more veteran friendly for folks that are coming out of the military and looking for civilian work? I think besides just doing like the job fairs or the hiring where it really is molded towards trying to draw them in or give them the incentives. I think things like employee resource groups where you bring people with similar backgrounds together to kind of promote ideas and stuff. I think that would work for people with military backgrounds because you get them together and it's just kind of it's a little just more comfortable. I feel like that's just mm -hmm. one of those things that could kind of, uh, especially bringing veterans together. I worked at jobs where I didn't realize the person next to me was a veteran because you don't really talk about it. It's not like you, uh, some organizations like Walmart, like you'll have a veteran tag where you can see like, oh, they have the star. But uh, I feel like sometimes because you, you don't want to just come out and be like, oh, <laughs> I did this. Veteran. Yeah. Like, but uh, I do think it helps when you realize there's other people in the company. So if they're actually hiring on veterans and you realize who they are and you can kind of work together and snowball off each other's ideas and uh, bring what the military teaches you. I mean, we learn a lot, especially with leadership 
and working in chaotic environments. And I feel like when you get us together and you kind of remind each other of like, look what we've gone through, you can bring a lot to a company. So I feel like companies just need to really focus on getting uh, their numbers up for veterans. And so you don't just have like that lone person that's not really uh, feeling like they can talk about the military because you kind of get into that mode of like, okay, I don't want to make this like, this is all I am, but, <laughs> but we do have a lot to bring to the table. Yes, that, yeah, the loan mentality is not helpful. So, you know, lowering the unemployment rate, the veteran unemployment rate, along with uh, those employee resource groups, that's, that's a great idea. Uh, let's talk about your podcast, because I, I actually just re-listened to the episode. You talked about sort of the journey of Cruise Corner. You talked about the why it's called that. So it highlights personal stories, talks about transitioning, losing friends to suicide, issues with the VA, as you alluded to earlier. So it, tell us a little bit more about that journey. And if you could talk about the story of Cruise Corner, if you feel comfortable, just because I think that's a really powerful story as well. So like I said earlier, it, the blog itself got created because of that capstone. So I could have a place to share that. And then I kind of just padded it with some uh, stories while I had people's attention. I thought, while they're here, let's see what else I could show. The name Cruise Corner came from... Uh, when I was about a month out from getting out of active duty, one of my buddies committed suicide. And when it happened, I didn't really process it because I was going through my transition. So I had a lot on my plate and I was just kind of cut off from everything. And then years later, when things kind of slowed down and it was uh, probably like his third or fourth anniversary of him uh, committing suicide, it was like, okay, now I feel it. And talking to one of our mutual friends, it was just like, uh, you realize how heavy it still is. Like, I didn't realize I was carrying that because of just I had the distractions, but it definitely bothered me later on. And within him committing suicide, a few other people from my unit committed suicide as well. And so it just seemed like every year, every six to nine months, somebody else was disappearing. And so I really wanted to focus on like, why is this happening? Not just the suicide prevention, because there's a ton of orgs and podcasts and companies that are all focusing on that. Right. But it was like, what is like the bottom line to this? And I felt like people just weren't talking and people felt like they were the only ones going through it. And so I just started pulling out all these journals and all these things I'd been writing to talk about what the veteran is and trying to share our experience. And I wanted to share what I saw as kind of the average soldier story. I didn't feel like I had done anything great. I didn't have the Black Hawk down like combat story. Like it was just doing time is really what it was. And I wanted to promote this idea that you didn't have to have this crazy war story or this just Chris Kyle type military service for people to... Uh, to struggle and for people to understand you and to be able to talk. And when people started real, like reaching out to me and saying like, I completely understand your story. It, I was taken aback. I was glad people could relate, but at the same time, I was really sad that people could relate in the way that they were saying they could. But it was just this idea of, I want to share the story that says, you know, there's a lot of different things that can cause PTSD, struggle, make transition tough. And 
make us feel like suicide is an option and just try to recreate this image that was very far from what Hollywood kind of promotes in terms of the military image. Mm -hmm. And so the podcast for me was really my therapy. It was talk therapy. It was getting on there and just kind of letting go of all the things I wasn't allowed to talk about when I was a soldier. And so it was kind of doing all the no-nos, like all the things like you don't tell people you're struggling. You don't tell people you feel down. You don't tell people that you feel like you're at a weak moment. But I felt like to expect other people to open up and tell their story, I feel like I had to walk the walk and show people that you can talk about this. People will understand. People are still going to accept you. And again, it's not the military anymore. You're not going to get fired. You're not going to get demoted. You're not like, nothing's going to happen other than releasing this stuff in any, like in your own time. Like I don't expect people to get out there and just be like, <laughs> tell their whole military experience and every horrible thing that's ever happened to them. But I did want people to understand that when you're ready, you can talk about it. Like you said, very therapeutic and bottling it up is never really the best option. There are productive ways to to let it out. Well, so any favorite guests that you'd like to tease to here, I encourage everybody to check out Cruise Corner podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. Uh, so any guests that you want to tease to? I do a lot of episodes, not just on my podcast, but on their podcast as well. Uh, Six from Cancelled for Maintenance and Jay Marie from Women with an Effed Up Mind. We do a lot of collaborations because we're just veterans having a conversation. So we sometimes we go into episodes, we don't even have a topic. <laughs> and it, you're just talking and uh, we're all about trying to change this idea that you're not allowed to speak up because you don't have the war story. And that uh, Jay Marie especially is really pushing the domestic violence side of the military. So I always enjoy talking to her because we're trying to shine a light on topics that kind of get ignored or people are really uncomfortable talking about. That also is MST, trying to kind of break that barrier of feeling like you're allowed to mention those things. And uh, one of my favorite guests to have on was Lauren Faringa from Hippie and a Veteran. She talked about some great alternatives for dealing with PTSD and getting away from like the pharmaceutical end. So I really encourage people to listen to her episode. She was in season one and uh, Alyssa from season two, I think she was episode 14. She was uh, one of the few veterans I brought on that was not, uh, she didn't have a business or an organization or anything to really plug. It was just a veteran coming on to tell her story and it was just raw and vulnerable. And I really appreciated that she came on because it was one of the most downloaded episodes I had because it was just just a veteran telling their story. And I think a lot of people were able to relate to it. Yes, I, I love your mission in being more relatable to everyone. Uh, I, I think that's really important. Like you said, in making people feel comfortable to open up and make themselves vulnerable, even if their story isn't that stereotypical, you know, com in combat experience. I, I'm not. I don't know. I so I really appreciate that about your work, and I really appreciate you joining me today for this episode on the Clearance Jobs podcast. So, any closing thoughts? Any personal anecdotes that you'd like to share? Uh, advice or insights? with veterans that may be listening today? I think my biggest thing is uh, on the advice side of things, because uh, I know we're a big technic 
technology driven kind of society now. And I feel like sometimes we get too caught up in social media and using that to connect with each other and leaving it just at that. And I feel like we need to kind of get back out to actually connecting physically and being around each other. So we realize there's another support system out there that's not social media because social media can be, it can be rough (laughs) to go on, especially if you're someone talking about trauma and struggles, stuff like that. There's some people that uh, still don't want people talking about it. Uh, Hurt people hurt people. That's one of those things I've had to learn doing what I do. And I just feel like because uh, like this past weekend, I went out to Vigilant Valkyries Female Veteran Convention in Colorado Springs and actually engaging with veterans physically was I had a lot more joy and comfort and support in that five hours I was there than I've gotten in the two years I've been doing a podcast talking to people. So I just encourage people to get out and go to these events and connect with people outside of social media because uh, it is very different (laughs) with COVID. I know it didn't make things easier, but yeah, now that, now that hopefully we're, we're moving in the right direction, we'll see, but it is important to get that face-to-face interaction and see that there are physical people around you. Really, there are. Yeah. Uh, Well, again, Lonnie, thank you so much. Everyone go subscribe to the Cruise Corner podcast. Subscribe to ours. And for more military or veteran transition advice, visit news.clearingsjobs.com.